Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. We all know about that in my life and how hard that's been for me and also my listeners. You guys hear them talking about it on the mailbags. It is hard to manage finances with a partner. Putting away money for retirement, since I'm not going to be doing this podcast forever. Sorry, I guess I could, but retirement is huge for me. I am deeply focused on it right now and planning for my tax bills so I don't dread April every year. Taxes are a doozy and it's always changing. How do you know what to do? Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You got problems that you ought to be concerned with. Moolah! You don't know how you're supposed to earn it or what to do with it or how to keep it. You're a freak with a dark shame. there, I'm Gabby Dunn, and this is Bad With Money. Yes, money makes the world go round. But does anyone love money? Now we're going to get into if I know the definition of love, which, what if I was just like, we're about to call all my exes? Anyway, we may be uptight in America about talking about how much we love money, but the fact is most of us are kind of obsessed with it. Again, I don't know if that's love, but it's a pretty ubiquitous idea. So we had this thought, and by we, I mean me and my producer, Tamika, who is very shy and doesn't like to be on mic, that we wanted to learn about a culture that really loves to show off wealth and to talk about it. We Googled some really beautiful symbolism for money and wealth in Chinese culture, and we decided we wanted to talk to Chinese Americans who experience different sides of their identity, an American side and a Chinese side, each with their own unique expectations of how to value money, how to talk about it, and how to show it off. The first person I want to talk to is a Chinese-American TV writer, so let's give her a call. Hello? Hey, is this Jessica? Hi, it is. Hey, this is Gabby. Hi, Gabby. Hello. I'm, I think our paths have crossed a bunch, but I don't know that we've met. Yeah, I think we have a lot of friends in common mm-hmm. who, who clearly don't think highly enough of either of us to introduce us. What? Yeah, you know what? Anyone listening that knows both of us, you're all on notice. Um, <laughs> can you um, can you tell my listeners uh, who you are and what you do? Uh, yeah, my name is Jessica Gao. I am a writer, um, mostly in comedy, actually only in comedy. And 
I'm mostly write for TV. I've done some features work, and I'm currently the showrunner for She-Hulk for Marvel. So, okay, so when we asked you to do this interview, which was very last minute, mm-hmm. you you immediately responded that you would love to talk about how much Chinese people love money. So what did you mean by that? <laughs> well, because you guys have my friend, our mutual friend, Andrew Keon, mm-hmm. who, was going to, who uh, is going to talk about uh, Chinese culture and um, the love of showing off wealth and uh, money. And so I was like, oh, yes, that's definitely something I love talking about. Um, well, you were born. I was born in China. You were born in China. Yeah. And then when did you come yeah. here? I came to L.A. when I was four. But then my parents sent me back, like, when I was, like, from seven to eight. Okay. So what did you mean by, like, what, what were you thinking of when we, when we brought that up? What, what came to mind? You know, like, culturally, like, like just uh, Chinese people have a very different, like, set of boundaries when it comes to money and relationship when it comes to money than, like, American culture. Like, um, my parents, like, you know, they, there's, like, there's no taboo on asking how much somebody paid for their house how much people make, like all of that is, is it's totally okay and not rude to ask people. And so, you know, when you're Chinese American, like you understand both sides. And so you, you get to see like the complete lack of boundaries on one side and then the very kind of puritanical, like tight lipness in American culture of talking about money and specifically asking each other about money. So like every time I get a new job, every time, you know, I sell a project or something, my mom will ask me how much you know, how much the contract is worth and how much I'm getting paid. And then she like will go and broadcast, like literally every single person she talks to will know. Like, it's like she's a, a one person like press release of like how much money I have, how much money I make, like every single time. And she like, she wants to know everything. And, you know, all of her friends who they'll go to her, you know, if they go to somebody's house, who just bought a house. It's like the first thing they'll look at the house and they'll be like, well, how much did you pay for it? And they'll get into all the finances of it. And it's totally okay. And it's very jarring for people who aren't used to that, you know? Yeah. Why, why is that? Is it a culture of like sharing information or, or what are you bragging? What's the deal? Uh, I think it's a little bit, I mean, it's only bragging if it's something to brag about. Cause it's like, you know, if I'm not making very much money off the deal, <laughs> it's nothing to brag about. But she'll still but, tell uh, people how much it's, how much you're making, even if it's not a lot. You know, I bet she wouldn't volunteer that information, but if people asked, she would still, I mean, it wouldn't, it still wouldn't be rude for people to ask her. And I think she would probably still answer them. But like, I, I'm sure if I wasn't making a lot of money, she wouldn't be, you know, trumpeting it in the streets. Um, because there's definitely, I mean, there's definitely a competitive edge to it where like, I mean, most immigrants' parents, they play this kind of, um, you know, they, pit, they love pitting their children against each other because your children are a extension of you and they're like, you know, they're the best product you produced and their success is your success. And I think that's specific to Chinese culture, but also very specific to immigrant culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like the, my mom, my aunts and uncles, they love pitting all the cousins against each other. It's just like one upsmanship and like money is a big part of it. You know, what, what your, what, what kind of job you have, like if you have a doctor or a lawyer in the house, obviously like that's a lot of points too, but then Money is also like a huge thing. Um, money will will get a lot of uh, uh, of your other uh, negative traits uh, overlooked. Like there's like a it's like a sliding scale of like you can be ugly, but if you're rich, then that's cool. <laughs> like if you're if you're making uh, a ton of money but you're not married, it's like that's okay. Like that kind of thing. 
Yeah, if you're like super rich, like they'll probably, I mean, they'll th- they'll think it's a shame and then, and they'll probably just want to try to set you up with people, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, it's, or it's like, you know, you don't, you have a lot of money, but you don't have kids. Like, look, there, there's, there's no end to like the, the different things you're doing wrong that an immigrant parent can find to like, you know, <laughs> shit all over you for. But okay, so. So some cultures are very, like, modest about that kind of stuff. And you mentioned, like, Americans love money, but, you know, we just kind of buy a bunch of shit. And um, what we never talk about, like, I on this show, I'm constantly like, I wish everyone talked in exact numbers because we could know if you're paying too much on your rent or if you paid too much for a Mm -hmm. house or all this kind of stuff. Like, do you find it helpful to know to know exactly what your cousin is making or to know uh, exactly what people paid? It's a double-edged sword because on the one hand, like, my my curiosity is satisfied, but on the other hand, like, I don't really enjoy it, you know? Um, it's not cool because if you – because then it's – I don't know. I, I feel like it, it makes the group dynamic very weird, but maybe that's because I was raised – like, I was raised in America and, you know, I'm very American too. I, I often wonder if, like, if I'm skewing too American when it comes to that stuff. Um, because I'm sure if I like live my entire life in China, I'm sure I wouldn't care at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's this, like, I also think that like the other, the thing I love about Chinese culture is that there is no, um, shame about, um, openly say, talking about how much you love money. Like so much of like the way, the things we gift each other is all about a show of wealth. And, um, like my last birthday, the gift that my mom gave me for my birthday is a, 24 karat gold pendant for my for a necklace and it's a a little gold abacus a 24 karat gold abacus and there's a chinese character on it and it's the chinese symbol for wealth oh my god wait whoa why why do you think she did that uh well because it was really cute and she you know she said that um, for her like there was there was a little bit added like sentimental value because my grandfather was a cpa and and in his era in China as a CPA, he uh, he actually used an abacus and not a calculator. They didn't Aww. have calculators. Um, but also, it was really cute. But um, but just the fact that that is a thing that, like, we walked, it wasn't custom made. Like, we walked into a Chinese jewelry store. And it wasn't even the only 24-karat gold abacus pendant that was there. Um, and so the fact that this is a thing. Yeah, and that it's like they want you to be wearing a necklace that says wealth. Yes, exactly. Like, the Chinese character for wealth is carved into the abacus, you know? And, like... My aunt also, for a different birthday, an aunt got me a uh, a little 24-karat um, gold money sack pendant. It's also a pendant, money sack, and it has, uh, on one side, it has the word for good fortune. Like, mm-hmm. And on the other side, there's a bat because the word for bat in Mandarin is a homonym for uh, good fortune. And so you'll see a lot of bat imagery because it's a homonym for things. Chinese people are also very big on, like, homonyms. So, uh, but like, just the fact that like so much of these things, like jewelry is made around like fortune and wealth. I mean, it's a 24 karat money sack. Like, I doubt that you can go into Tiffany's and like find like a, like a white gold diamond encrusted money sack, you know? So that, but then, but you can find something that it, that is the equivalent, like, like a symbol of wealth in terms of like the jewelry being 24 karat, whatever diamond. It's just mm-hmm. not, it's just not that obvious. <laughs> <laughs> not that yes. literal it's like yes totally it's like it's an advertisement of like i love money and i want you to know that i want more money and i'm not afraid to advertise it on my body i'm gonna use something of value 
to denote that I want more things of value. So, I mean, Americans and Chinese people then super differ on on showing their appreciation for money and wealth. Um, but let's this is going to come out around the Chinese New Year. So can you tell us about how Chinese New Year is celebrated? Um, yeah, it's a it's a big family holiday. Like the the weight of it is the equivalent of Christmas. Like that's the one holiday a year where you have to do whatever it takes to get together with family. And in China, like there's a lot of like migrant workers who are from like rural parts of China who um, like, you know, a couple who have children will leave their children with like the grandparents and then move to like a big city like Beijing um, to work to find work there. And they'll send money home and they don't see their children like all year except for Chinese New Year, because Chinese New Year, like uh, the whole country shuts down for two weeks. You get two weeks for Chinese New Year. And it's like it's just understood like nobody works during Chinese New Year. Um, and that's you need to take that time to first spend time with your family and then see friends and extended relatives. Um, but like these migrant workers will spend like three days on a train during Chinese New Year to get just to get home so that they can spend Chinese New Year's Eve with their family. Like that's the weight and importance of the holiday. It's all about family time. It's about starting um, everything you would do at a regular New Year, which is like, you know, really assessing your, your year and um, making plans, start doing, having a clean, fresh start for the new year. And kids really like it because that's when um, kids uh, will get red envelopes from all the uh, adults in their life. Um, and the red envelope is filled with cash and, you know, the cash, the amount depends on however much that person can afford, but all kids and unmarried thing, like single people are supposed to get red envelopes from the like older generation and, who are like married, mm-hmm. um, are supposed to like pass out red envelopes of cash to everybody who's like a younger generation and unmarried. Yeah. So why is there so much red during the celebration? Well, red is a really lucky color. Um, and also at, uh, and the red envelope comes around, uh, comes around during, uh, weddings too. Like, like Chinese people, I mean, now there are, uh, people in China starting to like adopt a mo- lot more Western traditions, but, but really like traditionally in China, like you don't do a registry, you don't give actual material gifts. You like all the like, wedding guests are supposed to give red envelopes full of cash, um, so that the couple can like start their life with a shit ton of money. And so when you go to a Chinese like banquet style wedding, like all the it's like a it's like the uh, mob wedding in Goodfellas where like <laughs> everybody just hands an envelope. It's very, very similar. Like every guest is supposed to come with a red envelope stuffed full of cash. And usually at the door, at the entrance to the wedding, there's like some trusted relative who's sitting there with a box <gasps> and and a registry. And so um, each guest will give the envelope. They'll, they'll, they'll count the money in the envelope, put it in the box, and then they'll write down on this register, re- like a registry book, um, who, the per- name of the person and how much they gave so that the bride and groom will later have a record of how much each person gave them. Oh, my God. Is there, like, is there any sort of embarrassment about giving too much or too little or nobody cares? I don't think any, there's any embarrassment attached to giving too much, uh, <laughs> but too little. I'm sure, I'm sure like depending on your relationship with that person, you might feel like it was a slight, yeah. especially like if you went to their wedding, you gave them more, like basically they need to like they keep a record so that they can match it when they go to your thing. Oh my God. This is so petty. I love it. Yeah. And my, uh, what's funny is like my, my parents, you know, that they're they're at an age where most of their friends like constantly their friends children are getting married and my dad said that like when he gets when he gets a wedding invitation it feels like he got a ticket like a parking (laughs) ticket that he has to pay now 
those also come in red envelopes. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So for Chinese New Year, I mean, so you said people are traveling, people are trying to get like, is it sort of like Christmas where mm-hmm. people are saving up their money for Chinese New Year? And that's yeah, when they, absolutely. that's when they blow all of it on gifts and stuff. Yeah, it's the, well, not gifts, it's money. And, and also, you know, like you want to have like a big feast. Um, together with your family like like that's when you like pull out all the stops you have like you you buy like the best food you have the big you have a big family meal this isn't a this isn't a holiday where people go to restaurants like this is like family time somebody hosts everybody all everybody gathers at somebody's house and it's like a huge feast that everyone's involved with so nobody would give a gift on chinese new year you corrected me you said it's just it's just it's envelopes cash. of cash and it, and it better be a crisp $100 bill. Like nobody wants like a raggedy $100 bill. You got to go to the bank. You got to get like a crisp uh, <laughs> bill. You can't give like a gross, dirty, like sweaty looking dollar. <laughs> oh my God. So are, are there, is Chinese New Year celebrated differently in the U.S.? Like what do you guys do? Well, it, it's different first and foremost because it's not, it's not a two week long holiday. Unfortunately, like holiday. you should just call in yes. and be like, I'm calling in Chinese New Year. Yeah, yeah, I know I should. And so because of that, there just isn't that like pomp and circumstance and fanfare of everything. So, you know, like most families I know and my family, we just we just make sure that we have Chinese New Year's Eve dinner together. Um, and and that's really kind of it. And and, you know, you might go to and maybe like if it's like the weekend or something, my parents might go to some parties mm-hmm. and and, the, and they'll have like a bunch of red envelopes full of cash ready for any uh, children who are at these parties that they'll be giving out. And, and it's also a time where you should like go and visit your friends. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. You're supposed to like, so basically there's like things you're supposed to do each day of the 14 days. And, um, and one of the days is like, you go and see your friends and like you, you, you know, you bring their children cash and and, like, that's when you can bring them like a gift of like, I don't know, like some food or something or like wine. Um, is there, so are there other money traditions, not just Chinese new year, but other money traditions that uh, that in China that you can think of? There is a funeral tradition, you know, when, um, when someone dies, like a lot of times people burn, uh, there's, there's actual fake money. It's called funeral money that people buy specifically to burn so that it's money that the, that the deceased person can take into the afterlife. It's riches that they can take into the afterlife. It's fake money though. Um, yeah, it's fake. It's specifically printed for, for funerals. And so it burns quick, you know, and um, any if you go to any Chinese supermarket, there is going to be a section of of like funeral money and candles and things like that. Uh, there's a whole industry of like, you know, it's like a paper car and they can take the take a car with them into the afterlife. Like whatever you want to oh. burn, um, it's what they're taking with them in the afterlife. So it's gotten really elaborate. There's like houses that you can like paper ha- funeral houses um, that are made of paper that you burn and um, cars, clothes, things like that. Um, and it's all to send off. It's all riches to send off with your loved one into the afterlife. I, we kind of talked about this, but like, yeah, I guess like so prosperity is is seen as something like public or like good to share. Is it, it, it good to share? And we've talked about on this show how like America has the American dream. And um, mm-hmm. and then, you know, the idea that like is does that mean success or in other cultures, you kind of view America or the American dream as like just becoming rich. Um, is yeah. that a thing like it, it's just like working to become rich is kind of the for Chinese people, too, is kind of like the the crux of it, like the whole thing? 
Um, yeah, I'm yes, because I think that money, you know, symbolizes stability, really, like, at the, if we're getting in like armchair therapy into it, it's like, it's stability, you know, it's, it's so that parents know that when they're, when they're gone, like, they're, they, they can go, they can leave this mortal coil, feeling reassured that at least their kids can be taken care of with the money, you know, like, that to them, it means stability, it means you get you can, you can get healthcare, you can get, you'll be fed, you'll be clothed, you'll be sheltered. Like that's what that really is. If you get to the crux of it, that's what money is. It's, it's, it buys you opportunity and buys you stability. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Good talking to you. You too. We got to take a quick break, but be right back with the epic return of season one guest and podcaster, Andrew T. And we're back. I want to hear more about what it feels like to have these dual expectations to be Chinese and to be American, and to have these pressures to value wealth and money in certain ways. So I asked my good friend Andrew T to join us. He talks about race for a living on his podcast. Hello, Andrew. Well, I would ask you to tell my listeners who you are and what you mm-hmm. do, which we can refresh, but you are a return guest. I'm back. <laughs> you are back to the pod. He's back, folks. Um. So, yeah, can you tell tell them who haven't heard you in season one? Yeah, totally. Yeah, who you are uh, and what you do. I do. I. Uh, my name is Andrew T. I have a podcast called Yo, Is This Racist? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a podcast which Gabby has been a treasured guest on. Yeah. Uh, I was on your 100th episode. Um, That's right. 1,000th episode. 1,000th episode. Does it, it's sort of a long <laughs> Where story. you solved racism. Well, we had, yes, correct. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so you are Chinese-American. Yes. So what does that, what does that mean to you? Oh, um... That's a good question. Uh, so I think the thing with being Chinese-American, uh, for me specifically, is I'm... Chinese American in a way that is not what the majority of Chinese American people are, because I was born um, in Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, not close to a big Asian community. I mean, I guess I was close. There's there's one a decent sized one in Windsor, Ontario, about an hour away. But okay, um, I didn't grow up with a big Asian community, as opposed to like folks that grew up in like San Francisco or New mm-hmm. York or even Los Angeles, like where they're around a lot more. Um, Chinese people or Asian people. Um, So for that reason, I mean, I think the best example of this that I have is that it didn't, it wasn't until my like probably college that I started to realize some things were Chinese and some things were just my parents. Oh, like what? I'm trying to think of a specific one. I always like, I mean, and some things that were common that I thought were unique to my parents. That's maybe yeah. a better example. Like, um, we have a dishwasher, but we only use it as a dish rack. Just to dry the dishes? Yeah, just to put dishes that you wash my hands into. Okay. Um, and that's a Chinese That's more thing? common than I realized. <laughs> yeah. But for instance, I didn't know until um, I got to, I think, college that there was a stereotype that, like, Chinese American or Asian American people or Asian people were bad drivers. Oh. And then I was like, oh. And then I, when I fucking came back for Thanksgiving the first year from college, I was like, my dad is a horrible driver. Oh my gosh. It really bummed me out in a lot of <laughs> oh ways. Because I remember thinking, like, that's fucking bullshit. Because, you know, I was born in Michigan. Yeah. So I'm, you know, very American, but specifically like car culture, that kind of shit. So right. I'm like a, you know, 
great driver, maybe slightly too aggressive, blah, blah, blah. Sure. But like, you know, I'm a very American <laughs> driver. So like, yeah. there's that thing where I was like, oh, this is what people are talking about. So so I think because of the way I grew up, I had a lot of um, culture that I had to like either assume mm-hmm. or like um, come into. But then, you know, we would go to like um, Taiwan or like China when I was a kid and um, you know, I was exposed to things that way, but that was also very like, okay, these people are like Chinese, Chinese. And Different I know, from I me. know that's not me. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, pick up a ton of stuff. But I think that's like, then you have the insight of, of both, let's say, cause mm-hmm. like, you know, we're, we're looking at sort of the, the different ways that money and wealth and prosperity is interwoven into Chinese culture. And mm-hmm. we, we come to, I think think of Asian people as wanting success or wanting like jobs with money. Yes. Especially like the waves of more recent immigrants, right? So first or second generation, it is almost like when you boil down what freedom or prosperity is, it is money. Like, you know, even, even if like, like people, um, or maybe, you know, that's like a voluntary, uh, uh, immigration sort of thing. Obviously, there are reasons to leave your home country, but one of the major voluntary reasons is um, money. It's it's what the wink wink of pursuit of happiness is. Right, it, happiness, in, quote unquote, money. Yeah, is money. <laughs> the I think the deeply ironic thing is like because my parents don't have any specific attachment to like American culture, really. Like mm-hmm. they don't seem to like it very much. You know, they don't like America per se. Right. They liked the idea of making more money than they could in um, Hong Kong and Taiwan sort of respectively. They, in the pursuit of money, sacrificed for both themselves and for us, Mm -hmm. um, sacrificed many cultural things that caused huge problems. Like the, the extent to which I don't get along with my parents is largely driven by the fact that I do not live up to their expectations and they do not really live up to my expectations as like an American who thinks mm. that parents should be one way. Right. Um, they don't provide that. Right. And I certainly do not provide what they want out of a kid. Truly, my mom, um, I like will 100% guarantee you, I am nearly 40 years old mm-hmm. and I am doing fine. Yeah. She will, if not physically like give me a law school application this Christmas, <laughs> um, she will at least bring it up. Sure. Like, right. I mean, come on, it's time for law school. <laughs> and she only thinks law school because she thinks, well, okay, you think you're a writer. And I guess like if you're good with words, lawyer, lawyer. is the best one to do it. But oh my yeah, God. straight up, like, like she just doesn't process that and doesn't want that. And really, really, really does not like being told no, because she comes from a culture. She had, she was very obedient to her elders and right. her, her parents. And it's just interesting that it has truly like the, the biggest wedges in my life and my family are all culture clash stuff, but they sacrifice so much just for money. And it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't understand how that was worth it to you. Is this coming from a place where they're viewing money or wealth as like, like safety? Like they just are, it's like from a loving place? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And they were literal war refugees. Right. Like they were on the run. My dad was on the run from Mao from the ages of zero to five. Right. Like, 
So, so they're like, how do you not think money is the most important thing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because this is like, you know, guess what, motherfucker? We could have died, you know? Like, yeah. So this is the, like, like, you don't understand that life, this is like essentially the second thing after life. Is money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it, or, or it's, they're one and the same. I've got more questions, but we're going to pause here. We need to take a super quick break. So be right back. And we are back. Is there a way that you would um, judge whether someone has money or not? Like, what are some signs, you know, like if if, uh, in a family or something like or if I. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like if I moved, if I'm I don't know if I moved to China or whatever, like what would be the. Well, what would make people think you're wealthy or you're poor? There's like kind of this interesting difference. I mean, I, I call it white BMW mentality, which is like cross many cultures. Yeah. But you definitely see, you you know exactly what I'm talking about, which is like in LA, you see like Persian and Armenian folks like mm-hmm. driving a lot of white BMWs. But also if you go a little bit east in here, you see like Chinese people, richer Koreans, like that mm-hmm. kind of shit, like driving those same cars, like to show you're rich. And it is this interesting thing. And that's sort of like the immigrant take on it, which is like, it's like American culture filtered through a lens. So it's like, White BMW, Rolex, mm-hmm. like, you know, suits sort of cut a certain way. Gold mm-hmm. is, like, really popular. Because it's still, like, you're you're still, like, you know, maybe a first or second generation immigrant. Mm-hmm. But, like, you know, if you or your parents are, like, su- successful, there's, like, a model for it. For what, you're, what you have. What you have. And yeah. it's all the same shit, which is really, to me, interesting. <laughs> Do you watch Succession? I don't. I'm sorry. It's just about a, a rich yeah, yeah. family. Yeah, yeah. But someone was talking about the clothes on Succession and they were like, why don't these people dress better for how wealthy they are? Yeah. And someone was saying um, they're wealthy, but they don't um, – there's no individuality to it. They don't yeah. have taste. They're just wealthy, so they buy what what is expensive. And so everything that they wear is very similar, very similar color schemes. There's no creativity to it because it's just like off – like, oh, that's what the mannequin at Barney's is wearing, so that's right. what I'll wear. Uh, and that's like what you just reminded me of is that there's like this this uh, blueprint to wealthy. Yeah, that's interesting because I actually would maybe put a, a slight spin on that. In Knives Out, Chris Evans' character is wearing like a like a, a sweater with a bunch of holes in it. Yes, and there's a hard divide about like, oh my god, if he's supposed to be rich, why is he wearing a sweater with holes in it? And like. You know, that's exactly what a rich person would. Yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. The richest people <laughs> dress like the shittiest, yes. or like a type of rich person dresses the shittiest. Yes, yeah. Um, and and that kind of mentality, because my mom used to hate, um, you know, because so I was growing up in Michigan, around, you know, in my retrospect opinion, probably too many white people, but it was also during that sort of like grunge era. So yeah. like. I would um, go to thrift stores just like everyone else from my like kind of right. middle, upper middle class high school. And yeah. I was like, that's the shit that we did. And it drove my mom fucking crazy. Because she was like, you know, the the kind of first immigrant thought is things like people are going to think I can't afford to like put you in, I don't know, American new clothes, Eagle or whatever. New, yeah, you can't, like, Why wouldn't you have new clothes? Yeah. And so yeah. the concept of not embracing like not just prosperity, but like a type of prosperity mm-hmm. was like – so foreign to her drove her crazy yeah and then going back to another thing is like the different like the the wealth signifiers i remember just when i was in china a long time ago in college so many many years ago but um i there was a like people could instantly visually identify me as american 
Really? And when I finally talked, made enough like friends I could kind of ask shit to in China, um, there were like two things. Your jeans are too nice and you walk too confidently. <laughs> what? Yeah. And 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 you're like bigger than us by a lot. Although I was in Beijing, so there were big people. Like, but like, you know, I'm. They were like, yeah, you clearly had fucking calcium growing up. And oh my like, god! Just shit like that was just like, oh yeah, yeah, we can see. But but so that's like a thing where like, I had some cultural signifiers yeah. of wealth because I was like, you know, again big and but it was also like but you're also, you're not super rich. Yeah. Because if you were super rich, it wouldn't just be jeans. It would be like again. You know, Fendi. at the time, yeah. Well, yeah, different whatever. But yeah, yeah, different yeah, brands, yeah. that kind of shit. So it's like, so you're American. Wow. And I was like, okay, <gasps> cool. But it, like, and it was like everywhere, like, um, like street hawkers in in like Beijing is touristy enough. People, not everyone speaks. Everyone who works in a tourism based industry speaks enough English. Like people would yell at me on the street in English. Because they knew you were American. Yeah. Yeah. Like, right away. And so I was just like, God damn it. Like, <laughs> I can't fucking fit in anywhere, uh, ever. Oh, my God. What a thing to end on. Uh, thank you so much for returning Thanks to the show. I me. really appreciate you coming back three years later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to remind oh people. Oh, my God. No, no, no. There was a season one of this show, uh, <laughs> and Andrew was on it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It's super interesting that some people might see someone in nice jeans or driving specifically a white BMW and think American money. Plus, how we each value money can create these culture clashes even within our own families. I mean, obviously people listening to this show are not surprised by how much money can worm its way into your family dynamics. Have you guys heard any interview with my parents on this show? You know what? I'm going to give my mom a call. You know who deserves envelopes full of cash? You. You are clearly a wonderful human being with excellent taste in podcasts. Here's a red envelope. Please share your expertise by texting a link to this episode with your friends. And make sure you're subscribed on Stitcher or wherever you find your podcasts. This show is produced by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our audio engineers are Brendan Burns and Justin Asher. Our audio is edited by Andy Christens, and our supervising producer is Josephine Martirana. Our executive producer is Chris Bannon. Original music is composed by Zach Sherwin, Mike Kaplan, and Jack Dolgen. Our theme song is performed by Sam Barbera. Bad With Money is a production of Stitcher. I'm Gabby Dunn. See you next week. Happy Chinese New Year, everyone. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.